0: Good morning and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Shepherd. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510k Cafe. We interview medical technology leaders to discuss trends, innovations, and the future of marketing and communications in healthcare and the medical technology sectors. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Barbara Giacomelli, the Vice President of Advisory at McKesson Health Systems. With more than 30 years of experience, Dr. Giacomelli has deep knowledge about the healthcare world and is going to share with us some lessons learned as she moved up the ranks in a male dominated industry. Well,
1: welcome, Dr. Giacomelli. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. So, with 30 years of experience, you've gathered a wealth of knowledge regarding community pharmacy and health systems. Tell us a little about your background and career path.
2: Sure. Uh, When I graduated from pharmacy school, I did a residency through the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, which gave me exposure in a health system, but to all areas of the health system, the clinical side, the business, uh, retail, uh, and the operations of a health system. From there, I uh, determined that I really wanted to get into management. So I pursued an MBA, started getting entry into entry level health system pharmacy positions, which opened doors to other areas. Uh, You know, over the 30 years, technology has changed significantly. And I enjoyed being a part of that change and acceleration and seeing the impact it's had to for patient care. I have had the opportunity to be a VP in the health system. I've done um, strategic planning, facility planning. I've actually spent 18 months on loan to an IT department. So I've had a broad range of experience. And for the past 10 years, I've been working at McKesson as a consultant and working with health system, retail and specialty pharmacies in health systems. And now I lead a team of consultants as well. And I work very closely with other business units at McKesson. And I've even had the opportunity to do some consulting work in London.
1: That's great. We always love to hear about backgrounds and career paths. And in particular, was there an aha moment or a mentor, perhaps, that led you in your current direction?
2: When I first... um, was a supervisor in a health system pharmacy, actually in the Philadelphia area, I had the opportunity to work with a very seasoned pharmacy director. And what he taught me was that you wanna take advantage of opportunities, you wanna think outside the box and look for how pharmacy can really uh, work very closely in managing patient care. So he's the one that kind of gave me my entry into information systems as they were um, implementing a computer system for the pharmacy and also health, an electronic health record. And I really uh, grasped onto that. And I always look for opportunities to grow and learn and work with different people. It's um, given me the opportunity to travel. And really, the last 10 years at McKesson have just been wonderful, not just being in my little space, but working across the country and globally with healthcare providers and health systems.
0: So, within that world that you've been in, in, in IT and IT in the healthcare realm, you know, it sounds like cybersecurity for pharmacy operations is a specialty area. And I'd love to know a little bit about why this is so important, um, especially now. Um, and, You know, just get your insight into why cybersecurity is something that pharmacy should really be looking at more and more.
2: So I wouldn't say that I just focused on cybersecurity. I really have focused on automation and technology and software as a tool in pharmacy to advance the practice. You know, by using computer systems and automation, it frees up pharmacists and technicians to work closely with the healthcare professional team and patients. Through that work and my involvement with the American Society of Health System Pharmacy, I actually had the opportunity to be a chair of their section of informatics for, for several years. It became apparent that without security and safe systems, you're exposing patient information, you're exposing your employees information. And it just became apparent that you need to have secure, controlled systems in order to do your job every day. And if you're lax in that area, you know, you open yourself up to you know, data breaches, uh, diversion, just a whole host of problems that will impact patient care and your business. So that's why I've been pretty passionate about you know controls there were the days when systems were first introduced computer systems and email and everybody would share the same password well as <laughs> systems develop you can't do that you know you you need to have accountability you need to be able to follow the path and the follow the data stream and follow the documentation you know you there's a term in healthcare if it if it is documented it didn't happen so really having good, strong systems is critical in managing patient care.
0: Absolutely. One of the things I'm curious about is, you know, with Amazon acquiring PillPack and, you know, other more non-healthcare companies deciding to get into healthcare and pharmacy distribution and retail pharmacy, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that and how you expect that to potentially change you know, the world of pharmacy in the future.
2: It is interesting, you know, at first when you'll, you started to see Amazon or other companies, or you start to see some kind of vertical integration across healthcare businesses, you think, well, why would they do that? Or, you know, why would they come into my space? But the reality is, we need to provide quality care. And there have there are issues, you know, the data says that less than 30% of patients are compliant and adherent with their medications. So how do you address that? Because if you're not hearing or complying, following physician's directions, or with an aging population, people aren't as in tune to understanding that they may be, um, you know, have gone to different doctors and been prescribed similar medications, which Lead to adverse events. So I think all of that has led, you know, insurance companies and uh, providers and distributors and groups like Amazon. How do we address this problem and and meet this need? You know, for, uh, and and even COVID has had an impact. You know, prior to that, you may pay a premium to get your medications delivered or there wasn't delivery available, but through what Amazon's offering and how uh, even retail pharmacies and even health systems are looking at different ways to make sure they provide the best care to their patients that they can in the most cost-effective manner. So what I see with these entries into the market is actually new career opportunities. And they're not just jumping into the market without having expertise and bringing in specialists or experts in that space to give them a knowledge that maybe there's a gap. So I I believe they're, you know, consciously making those decisions.
1: Yes, Dr. Giacomelli, that makes sense. And switching gears, I know you mentioned it a little bit, um, as I reflect on this last year, just about a year ago when we were all hit with COVID, it really sent uh, the supply chain management into a spin, and there was a lot of a concern around that. And along those same lines, how has COVID, if it has, affected drug distribution and supply chain management within that realm?
2: Well, for McKesson, who well, we did when COVID started, Uh, became apparent this was going to be a pandemic or grow or really have an impact on how our customers did business and how uh, medications were getting to patients, we formed a critical care drug task force because it wasn't enough to know what historically um, a health system or a retail pharmacy has purchased in the past. We needed to stay ahead of where we're where were the therapies going to manage this patient population and and what were the demands going to be because we were seeing you know significant spikes in certain drugs so fortunately you know I had the opportunity to be part of that committee of several pharmacists they have logistics members and they have supply chain members from our organization and we you know we developed you know, a data and analytics tool that we could use internally. We met almost every day. Initially, we read the literature, we kept up with the media. We, you know, we kind of honed the web and we talked to our customers to learn, you know, how are they managing their patients so we could do more predictive analytics. And I think that's what happened in healthcare as well. You know, everyone had to look at their business and the way they provide it care differently, where you saw you know, telemedicine growing. In, and we find our customers who maybe only focused on keeping a stockpile of certain emergency, emergency drugs in case of a storm or a weather emergency, now the list grew that they had to keep these critical drugs because they weren't sure from day to day how many patients they were going to have on ventilators, so really tried to work very closely and be nimble. And, you know, today's complex, but you still have to have the ability to scramble and reprioritize as you need to.
0: One of the other things that we've seen, you know, during the COVID and during the pandemic is that companies are, you know, looking at different ways of marketing. And one of the things that companies seem to be doubling down on is content marketing, and we were really interested to see that you are a regular contributor to the McKesson blog. And so, is that is that sort of a new role for you, or what has your experience been in that content marketing area?
2: I'd say it's not a new role; it's just become uh, more frequent. You know, where before you might put a blog out every quarter or on a topic or, you know, you would uh, try to seek out what people are interested in learning about or sharing experiences. And today it just seems that it's much more rapid. You know, there's change that's rapidly occurring where people in the past might've been more comfortable with just print media. It's more digital, more podcasts. So trying to use different ways to reach our customers, uh, you know, health professionals, providers, is it's just more rapid today. So we try to be rapid with it, and it's just been part of our, you know, I guess for me, it's not so much as marketing; it's just sharing information and gathering information to help me do my job better, and hopefully to be able to share some insights with others.
1: I love that. And and I, I think Julie and I have both seen over the years, we've worked within the med device industry, which is heavily regulated. And uh, one of the challenges that we have is creating messages um, on social media and content marketing. And we've talked a lot about that on the podcast. So I, as I was researching your background, Dr. Giacomelli, I was I was really pleased to see your writings and the information that, that you have shared with your with your customer base in, in the way that it works for you and for McKesson. It's a great way to to get your voice out there and your message. And so keep doing keep doing what you're doing. I think it's very effective. Thank you.
0: As a woman in STEM. And all of us are. We'd really love to get your advice for any students or young women who are just starting out. You know, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's other science-related fields. Being in male-dominated industries, you know, we've all learned a lot of lessons, and so we'd love to hear what you would recommend. You know, for young women just starting out in how to grow their career in what traditionally has been, you know, primarily male-dominated fields.
2: Yes, when I first started getting into or start exploring positions in leadership and management in pharmacy and health systems, it did appear and was more heavily male-dominated. I remember my first director of pharmacy position going to a meeting with a group purchasing organization, and I was the only woman in the room, and I found that pretty interesting. I'd say for myself, my recommendation is, you know, don't be intimidated. I've always used education and keeping up with the literature, participating in professional associations as a way to build my confidence that I have the same skills serve the same pay and the titles as other men. And, you know, one thing with healthcare you will find is there are a lot of women who historically have gone into nursing roles. So you will, in a health system, tend to see, you know, quality directors who are female or infection control because they're all, you know, they tend to be former nurses or even C-suite. But as you get into finance or pharmacy, that's been a more recent transition, um, probably over the last 15 years. So what I always recommend when I've mentored women who are getting into the profession or are exploring where their careers want to go, you know, it, it does require uh, multitasking. You know, I have a family. Um, I've always worked and I, my children have done well. So it, I don't feel like they've suffered, but you know, you do make decisions and choices and you have to have support from, your family and significant others, but I've always, for myself, felt that as long as I have the education foundation, the credentials, uh, you know, keeping up with my profession, then I should be able to move forward.
0: I think Amy and I maybe should have renamed uh, our podcast, The Only Woman in the Room. <laughs> it- <laughs> It seems like that's a theme that we hear over and over that, you know, when, when we, you know, some of us started 20 or 30 years ago, we, a lot of times were the only woman in the room. And so it is, you know, it is great that there are so many more of us out there now. And, you know, I think we're giving a hand up to, you know, those who are coming behind us. So I I really appreciate your, your
2: thoughts on that. Yeah. And the other piece is, you know, don't be afraid to step away. I think it's a personal decision. You'll see those that choose uh, not, you know, when their children are young, not to be as actively involved in their career. And uh, I think that's okay too. It's really a personal choice for me. I just always wanted to have it all, I guess. And I wanted to learn and do more and I've never wanted to be bored or feel that I was stagnated in a position.
1: Yes, I, I can see that. And Julie, I think you're onto something. <laughs> we're going to have to reevaluate the name of our podcast because we have absolutely spoken with some remarkable women and professionals who were trailblazers and paved the way and weren't afraid to to fight for their, 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 their career goals. And, and you're certainly within that camp. So it's always really refreshing to, to find and seek out uh, professionals in this, in this realm and, and bring a, bring a voice to them, bring exposure to them on, on, on our show. It's, it's what we're all about. Well, Dr. Giacomelli, thank you so much. We have one more fun question for you that we always ask of all of our guests. Okay. Um, <laughs> sort of a sort of, of a fun of fun questions. Since you are here on the morning fix by five ten K Cafe podcast, of course, a coffee cafe theme. We would love to know what you do for your morning fix.
2: My morning fix. Well, I don't drink coffee. I love the smell of it. I've just never could acquire a taste, but I do like unsweet iced tea or hot tea. My mornings start with a walk. Even if I know I have an early meeting, I do my best to even get up earlier or if the weather's bad, I at least try to get a couple mile walk in um, because that's where I can clear my head, plan my day, Think about, you know, maybe something that happened at work yesterday that I need to deal with today and, uh, you know, have my tea, check on email and jump right in.
1: Very good. A very great way to start the day. Well, well, thank you. Thank you again for everything, for your thoughts and your comments and and sharing a a piece of your career with us here today. Um, We really appreciate your
2: time. Thank you for having me. It's been great.
1: And thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you've been enjoying the series so far. And please be on the lookout for more interviews from medical technology leaders. And thank you again uh, for joining us here on the 510K Cafe.